Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to remind you of something. This has been a really hard season to live and lead. Now, that's probably not a surprise to you, but what may be a surprise to you is that there are people who can be in your corner to help you clarify. We have this simple equation at Stay Forth. We say as clarity goes up, overwhelm goes down. And what's important about that is to say that if you can clarify things about your life, your leadership, your team, your business, your church, your nonprofit, as you clarify things, you're feeling less overwhelmed. Overwhelm and anxiety can melt into next steps, execution, and ultimately becoming the leader God designed you to be, even in the midst of chaos. You're feeling stuck. You're feeling like you're in a fog. You're feeling overwhelmed. Then it is time for you to look at coaching. If you don't know what coaching is, it's different from friendship, it's different from counseling, it's different from mentorship. We deeply believe in those things, but a coach comes alongside of you to clarify your next step, to help you design those. You take those, and now we come along and live in accountability with you, live in relationship with you. And we are seeing incredible results from leaders all across the country, whether they're business leaders, church leaders, or nonprofit leaders. And occasionally we like to read an endorsement, a review on our Facebook page of how this is affecting leaders and transforming their lives. This is from Kimberly. She said, I started coaching with Stay Forth back in October. After each session, I feel super energized and poised to contribute more richly and intentionally in the midst of my areas of influence and impact. I especially love the tools provided that give me a better understanding of myself and others. Kimberly, we are so glad that you've grown along the way. It's an honor to walk alongside with you as a as Stay Forth coaches. I want to just remind you, please, please, please look at our Stay Forth coaching page. We bring tools alongside of you so that you can build a process long after coaching is gone where you are clarified and you are strategic and you are executing and you are doing the things you are uniquely designed to do. So head on over to stayforth.com, click on our coaching page to see some of our different options. Also click on our team page and our network page to find a coach that's a good fit for you. Great news, you get a free breakthrough session. We start with one of our coaches. We try to break through some area of your life and leadership where you've been stuck and you get to decide if you want to continue on coaching or not. Stayforth.com. Head on over to the coaching page, the team page, and the network page to see what we do, who we are, and how we can help you take your next right steps. And now, on to another awesome episode of the podcast. Well, Josh, it's great to have you on. Thanks for stopping by the summit. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about uh, these couple of days. Look forward to being encouraged. So before we hit record, you might have referred to yourself as having an honorary doctorate in discouragement. So uh, I just think any leader that's leading right now and has led for any time is going to face discouragement. We don't talk about this. We don't talk about this in seminaries. We don't talk about this before you launch the company. And this discouragement right now, I believe, could be at an all-time high, at least in the time that I've led, a lot of discouraged leaders out there. So what are some of those factors in this season that are discouraging, especially for church leaders? Yeah, I mean, we we tell our team, and this is pre-COVID, <laughs> we tell them the occupational hazard of ministry is discouragement. Uh, that, that's without all of the factors that we have in this season. It's always been a thing. It's always been a challenge. And I think part of it is that our 
our job is to peddle hope, right? I mean, that's our, that's, we are ministers of encouragement. That's what we do. We try to give people hope. We try to give people belief. And so I think that it's very natural and normal that we would have a big target on our back, that we'd be constantly be uh, hit with the discouragement arrows. But, um, but yeah, you know, this season has been, our world has seen economic downfalls. Our world has seen um, health crises. Our world has seen social and racial uprisings, but I don't know that our world has ever seen all of it at the same time. And especially when you lead in ministry, you can't sit any of them out. <laughs> you know, like you just, we don't have the, the luxury of saying, you know what, it's been a hard couple of months. I'm going to sit this one out. You know, I'm, yeah, exactly. Timeouts. I'm out. I'm going to take a break. And, um, and, and they've hit one after another, after another. And so, um, you know, I, I think especially when we talk about pastors, uh, church planters, we got into this because we love caring for people. You know, we've learned how to do a weekend experience fairly well. You know, we, we've kind of learned how to do what we do, constantly growing, constantly learning. And all of that has been stripped out from us. And so uh, we had to pivot, right? We had to make, a, you know, quick adjustments. And I was telling you before we started recording, uh, if, if the scoreboard is the opinions of other people, there is no way we can win right now. Uh, you know, when it comes to quarantine, uh, we, we, why did you close? The first weekend that we closed, I had one of my main elders in the church that on a group text with me and several other people uh, said, hey, does anybody want to go to a different church? Uh, because they actually have spiritual balls. I don't know if we can say that in your conference. I'll let you guys ed- edit that wow. out because they have the spiritual balls to stay open. And that was, that was week one. And so wow. <laughs> I'm meeting with this guy and trying to go, Hey, let me, let me help you understand this decision. And let me help you understand where we are. But right from the get go, people were criticizing a decision that none of us wanted to make. Right. I mean, I am a church guy. I've only ever known church. I, I was born to a, a pastor uh, in a pastor's home and we've done church every single weekend. So no, it's not like we were going, Oh, this is a great reason to take some weeks off. It was an agonizing decision, and immediately we had people that disagreed with it. And um, and you know, like I think the the factor that sort of pours fuel onto the fire is this social world that we live in, right? It's not that people are just talking behind your back or you know irritated with you face to face. It's they are posting their opinions, you know, to the world uh, on social media, and you just have to sit back and watch it, and you have to sit back and take it, and so. Uh, and then it's funny, we just reopened a couple of weeks ago here at Seacoast. And um, then the email started coming in of how irresponsible are you? I'm like, we've been closed for six months, uh, but how irresponsible. And I can't believe that you're doing that. And you're really going to worship. And, you know, I saw some people that didn't have masks on, although we're requiring them. Uh, and and we were like, oh, man, we haven't heard from any of these people. And it's because they weren't mad at us yet. Uh, but once we made a decision that didn't line up with what they how they see the world, you know, um, uh, we, we've taken criticism from that end. And then uh, things, everything is a 50-50 issue right now. Everything is a polarizing, do you require masks? Do you not? You know, everybody's excited that we're open, but then it's like, uh, I'm not coming back until you stop requiring masks mm. or man, they're not wearing masks enough. You know, so it just feels like we live in a season where um, every issue is complicated. It's uh, it's hot. And, and, you know, maybe some of you out there, you live for, the controversy. I know there are some pastors that, man, part of their shtick is that, man, I say the thing that is, you know, going to stir the pot. We are like the opposite. We live to encourage people. We want to be 
a voice of hope. We want to be a voice of encouragement. And so, um, so yeah, we're just, uh, we're doing the best that we can, but taking criticism, um, from, from all kinds of people. And many of them are people that I don't know if you guys relate to this or not, but I got people that have told me for years, I got your back. I'll take a bullet for you. But, but as soon as an issue, uh, we start speaking about an issue that they're uncomfortable with. Um, and this is not the masses by and large, people have been awesome. Right. But the, the nature of the beast is we listen to the couple negative voices over the hundreds of encouraging voices that we have. But it's like, man, as soon as other people started shooting, it felt like you grabbed a gun and started shooting with them. Uh, and, and so you feel like you've got these friends that were, were all in for you and then they, uh, they turn their back. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to be so down, but to talk about discouragement, I think just acknowledging, man, we lead a great church. We lead a large church and we are not immune from, uh, from discouragement. Uh, we, in fact, I feel like we're, we've hit it at an all time high over the last couple of months. And, um, so then you throw, in our case, we had a, a pastor on our staff, a very close friend. He was my ministry coach that took his life over the summer. Um, and so, uh, that just hit us out of the blue. And so you're dealing with your own grief. You're trying to lead a church through grieving one of their teaching pastors. Uh, you're trying to, to support a family that you love and care deeply about. Um, and it feels like things have happened at such a pace, uh, that by the time we started to really even process our own grief, there's, there's, uh, George Floyd happens, right. And you're trying to engage this conversation, uh, around uh, racial injustice and you're trying to engage people in it. You know, so it's, it's just, um, there, there's a lot coming at us. And so if you feel discouraged today, um, I would just say that's very normal. You're in good company. You're in good company. We don't have to stay there. Uh, it's okay to be discouraged. In fact, one of the cheesy things that we say around here is that it's okay to sit on the pity potty, right? Uh, that's like an old school phrase. Just don't stay there long enough to get ring around the hiney. Like as a leader, we don't have... <laughs> we don't have the luxury of staying discouraged. It's okay to be discouraged, but we don't have, we don't have the luxury to stay discouraged. Honestly, none of us should, but uh, we're, we're not going to be able to lead effectively if we, if we don't find ways to, to encourage ourselves in the Lord to, to find encouragement in our lives. Mm. Uh, let me camp out on a couple things that you said, really that phrase, I've heard it probably over 25 times with those I coach, I can't win. And I actually have started to agree and say, you're right. You can't. And, and that is painful right now. We, many of us think, well, I'm going to be liked. I'm maybe even going to be loved or admired or respected. And then suddenly for a decision, you know that maybe half, maybe just a few are going to think you're talking too much about something. You're not talking enough. You're opening too early. You're opening too late. And the reality is we must move. I think from trying to win to trying to discern God with what we've been given in this moment, and you're in Charleston, somebody else is in a different place, you're at a large church, somebody else is at a small church or a company, we all have to go into the wilderness in a, at a different pace, in a different way. And so it's interesting, Josh, we were actually together um, as this thing was breaking, realizing this may be a thing. The next day, it was kind of like, we're going to have to cancel and change services. Whoa, this is bigger than we thought. And I think a lot of leaders left that really encouraged, right? We were praying together, worshiping together, telling hilarious stories around the fire together, and then went home to, wow, something yeah. is fundamentally changing. And, and so that discouragement, um, get personal for us. When you feel discouraged, what are a, a few ways that you get encouraged or at least couraged from 
um, that state of discouragement? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first thing is is to be willing to acknowledge it and be honest with yourself. Um, you know, there there is this uh, unspoken uh, belief that many of us have as leaders that that we can't be discouraged. That acknowledging discouragement is uh, a weakness. Uh, it's a weakness in our leadership. It's a chink in our armor. Uh, we got to be upfront. We got to be high energy. We got to go for it. And the reality is, is that we're all discouraged from sometime, sometime or another. And so I just want to free you up to say it, uh, to have some people uh, like you, like that, that pastor's group that we were gathered with in, in March that you can check back in with and go, dude, I feel like quitting today. Uh, and, and, and here's what you'll find out is that just saying it, you're going to begin to, to, to realize and capture some of the lies that go into it. And you're going to be, and we, we preach this stuff, right? But, but when you say it and acknowledge it, you already can start disagreeing with some of the agreements that you've made. And so just, I think you got to start by being honest with yourself. And that's, that's hard for us as pastors, because we feel like, um, especially during the season, you know, like I, I mentioned, uh, having gone through the loss of, of someone that we love, trying to lead a staff through all of this change when the reality is that you're thinking to yourself, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I have no idea. I, I said that early on. We were one of the churches that uh, in the first few weeks really were able to pivot pretty well to online. And um, you know, there are a lot of people that did it better than we did, but we, we really we found a way to make that pivot pretty quickly. First week, it was terrible, but by week two, we kind of got into a rhythm and, uh, and so people were calling us and wanting to do Zoom calls and tell us how to do ministry in this new way. It's, Seacoast is doing a great job with it. And the first thing I would tell everybody is we have no idea what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> like none of us do. And so part of like innovation is desperation, right? Part mm-hmm. of innovation is going, I don't know. This is, I know whatever we were doing is not working. I just got to, I got to acknowledge, I don't know what I'm doing. And in, and being humble about it and being honest about it that, you know, we came together, we began to dream, we began to pray and God, God did some things and, and, and it ended up uh, that we were able to, to land on some things that worked really well. And so I think the same thing applies with discouragement is you just got to be honest and go, listen, I'm hurting. And um, having some people that you can, can be honest with, uh, that you can tell the, the real deal. And we have just set a culture at Seacoast for better or for worse, uh, that the people that stand up on that platform deal with the same things that, that the people who sit in the pews do. Uh, and, you know, some people aren't going to be able to handle that. Some people will self-select out of it. But but I'll tell you what, it's freeing as a leader to be able to get in front of your people and go, you know what, at an appropriate level, obviously, but to go, you know what, uh, it's been hard. And uh, I'm processing through my own grief right now. And, and frankly, I'm angry at God. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel that way, uh, so do I. But then obviously taking them and, and processing it to a place of, of, of health. And so I think you got to be, be willing to talk about it, which implies that you've got people you can talk about it too. Um, and, uh, you and I both know that, uh, leading in ministry can be one of the more lonely places, uh, to, to be, especially lead being the top person in your organization, uh, being the, the, the main leader of your organization. Uh, there, I, I'm unique in that my season, I was one of the brothers. I was one of the team. I was just one of the guys for a long time and then transition to lead the church. And those relationships just change a little bit. They're still there. They're still great. But uh, but it changes a little bit when you're at the top. And I found that it can be a lonely place at the top. Uh, it doesn't have to be. And if it is, I would say it's my own fault uh, for, for making it that way. 
but uh, a lot of guys don't feel like they have anybody they can talk to. And mm-hmm. so I, I know that's why you're doing what you're doing and, and having these summits and these events where, man, if you can't, if you don't know who to talk to, reach out to me, I'll, I'll talk to you. I think we need someone that can, uh, that, that we can tell what we're doing great on, you know, cause sometimes you feel like if you do, you're, you're bragging and it's that's like, right. man, I, I found pastors need to be able to go, Hey, we're crushing it at this. Yes. Like somebody tell me I'm doing a good job. You know, somebody yes. tell how, me. And how can we be fully loved? If you only feel like you can come to a place and dump your garbage versus to celebrate. It's one of the most universal human needs. And it's one of the hardest things we'll do as leaders is to say, this is a really sweet moment or season or this thing's working. So thanks for saying that, Josh. Like maybe that's part of friendship is that we need friends because we need to be able to say with no pride, God is putting his hand on this thing. I'm so proud of our team. It is growing. And I'm I'm so glad you say that because it isn't a pity party. Who are you celebrating with? Who are you in relationship with? Community with? Who can you call on a good day, on a hard day, when you just want to catch up, when you just want to go fishing? Leaders need friends. So thank you That's for it. emphasizing yeah. that, Josh. That's it. And you need people that you can say, we we had our best attendance ever. <laughs> we baptized more people. And, and I, I do feel like it's, it's almost like uh, there is a culture where we all want to be real, right? And we want to be honest. And so, like you said, we, we're all sharing or feeling pushed to share the, the hard stuff. And man, I want to celebrate with you. We need to celebrate with each other. I want somebody I can call and go, dude, we're doing better than we thought we would, would, and, and, and praise God for that. So, um, but that's, I think a huge part of it, uh, is we, we feel like we have to suppress the celebration. Um, but man, the, the hard stuff is magnified. And, um, and so having those people is huge. Um, and, uh, and I think, so, so here's a story. Uh, I got an email and this is one of many, many emails that were very similar in nature. And this was after some of the, um, the racial conversation that we've been involved in. And I don't apologize at all for caring about racism and for, for speaking up against it. That's something I think we, we ought to do. Uh, so we did. And, um, and we got an email that was upset with us and, uh, leaving the church. And I just felt like when I read it, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, this is a really bad move for this guy. You know, there are some people that you need to let them go, right? I, I was telling you earlier, you're all rowing in one direction and there are people that are rowing against you. And we feel like as a church, a lot of it is my own insecurity. I'm going to do everything I can to talk you into staying. I'm lying to you. <laughs> I'm telling you things that actually aren't true so that you'll stay in the boat and keep rowing against me. How ridiculous is that? Like some people, you just need to let them get off right. the boat. And that's okay. Right. They're, they're doesn't mean they're terrible people. It just means that they're not going to, going to come with you on this leg of the race. But, um, this one, I just felt like, oh, this is not going to be a good move for this person uh, to leave. And so I reached back out and I said, can I just be frank with you? Um, I, I think you're making a bad decision and you're making a decision that's not based in truth. You're making it. You, you've just said multiple things on this email that actually aren't true that we haven't said ourselves. Let's meet. And uh, long story short, we meet, we talk, the guys just had a really hard time. He's had some, you know, issues with the law. He's had issues with his workplace. And I, I realize in this connection that he's not, he's not even a believer. He's been coming to our church for a couple of years, but he does not know Jesus from, from anybody. And so we start talking about it and he just breaks down and he gives his life to Christ in that moment. And it was this, you know, really great reminder for me of why we do what we do. And I think if we are so consumed with the criticism and some of the people that are in the church, that are maybe upset and we got to, we got to love all of them, right? God's called us to pastor all of them. Um, but man, that vision that God gave you to plant that church, that vision God gave you to go into ministry, to start that organization, 
if, if you're not careful, you'll get so far removed from that and you, you'll insulate yourself from the stories of, of the wins that, that are happening. I found one of the quickest ways to, to battle discouragement as my life is to hang out with a brand new believer that is in love with our church, that can't believe that, that this place even exists, that had no idea. And it's like fu- fully being transformed by Christ. And, and that to me, that's, I go home going, okay, I can deal with a few of those negative things as long as I know that we're changing people's lives, that people are finding Jesus, you know, through our ministry and that marriages yes. are being restored. And so it's like, man, we start every meeting off with tell me something good. We call, that's our tell me something good segment. And, you know, we're not going to get into any business until somebody tells me something good. Uh, and it can be personal, it can be ministry, but, but let's celebrate what God's doing, which will help us to remember why we do what we do and not allow ourselves to drift off of that vision uh, because we're trying to please people or we're trying to, you know, navigate through all of the the criticism that we're taking as leaders during this season. And that changes the whole meeting, which can change a whole day, which can change staff culture. If you, yeah. you will find what you're looking for. And if you start with what are the problems? Well, number one, I don't want to be in that st- staff meeting. Number two, it's just not true. It's not all bad. I love that is how yeah. many times I, I think we're discouraged because we're looking just for the things that we saw on CNN, we saw on Fox News. Um, oh man, yeah, you're right. It is. It is all falling apart. Um, misconceptions. Let's talk about misconceptions about discouragement. One of them: if you're a good leader, if you're following Jesus, you're not going to feel discouragement. What are some other misconceptions that people feel about discouragement, especially leaders? Yeah, yeah. And just just to to talk about that one for one second longer. <laughs> Read, read your Bible. Um, gosh, you, you start with, uh, you can go as far back as you want to, but Elijah, after seeing, you know, fire come down from heaven is suicidal a couple days later. And like, there's nobody else, Lord, I want to go home, take my life. Right. You got David, how many times, you know, woe is me. This is, you know, that Jonah, right. Uh, Paul, Peter, like, if you read your Bible, uh, we shouldn't be so afraid of discouragement and uh, depression and even even suicidal thoughts, which is something you know, we've obviously gone through this. And it's like, man, you read the Bible closely and you don't sugarcoat it like we tend to do. And you go, oh, wow, that dude wanted to end his life you know, to the point that he wrote it down, that he shared it with other people. And so just give yourself a, a break and know that uh, if you're in good company, not just mine, not just in our current day, but but all throughout scripture. Um, uh, godly people were discouraged, and uh, and so that that's okay. Um, I think that another misconception that I would say is that uh, the only way out is more prayer, um, and more worship, and more you know godliness. Uh, I, th- I think we often and 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 I would not minimize any of those things. By the way, mm-hmm. um, I think there is nothing like getting into a corporate worship environment or in my own living room, putting on worship and repeating the truth to myself. And so all those things are really, really important. But uh, I would also say that if you look at the story of Elijah, for example, uh, what did what did God do for Elijah? He, he baked him some bread <laughs> and he told him to eat. Like that was step one. Step one was mm-hmm. get some food, uh, take care of your body. And then by the way, go back to sleep. Uh, so I think that we often, because we are spiritual people, we are uh, leading people in their relationship with Christ. We, we lose sight of the fact that, man, there are often a lot of natural things that we need to do to help get us out of discouragement. And so I would say things like take a day off, um, 
especially during this quarantine season, you know, and, and everybody's in different places in this, right. Different parts of the world. But, uh, especially if you're, you're working on zoom, uh, you're working remotely, get some healthy boundaries in there. Uh, make sure that when you cut it off and get home, that you, you give yourself an opportunity to, to stay home. One of the things that I've done during this season, I picked up golf and golfed in a long time, but I just realized I need a hobby. Mm-hmm. I need something that I can do that I enjoy that I do with other people that kind of allows my mind to get off of the, everything else that's going on. And so super non-spiritual things, uh, that you will find all throughout scripture, actually, uh, that, that we need to do to, to help get out of it, which is just paying attention to our body, paying attention to what we're, we're eating, what we're putting into our body. Uh, some of us, it may be even, uh, medication. And, uh, you know, I know for some reason that can be somewhat controversial in the church world, but I would just say, man, our hope is in eternity. Our hope is in God, but our help can be also naturally uh, in, in the natural. You know, our, our help can be in the natural. Our hope can be in the supernatural. And, and both of those can live together. And uh, so some people may need to, to talk to a doctor about uh, various things, you know, whether it's uh, testosterone, whether it's uh, chemical imbalances. And so I think those are some misconceptions is that, man, if, if I'm discouraged, something's wrong with me. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not called to be here. And then the, the only way out is through, you know, more prayer, more mm-hmm. small group, more, um, and all of those things are important, but there's obviously other aspects that we need to pay attention to as leaders and give ourselves permission, uh, to do. And, uh, here, here's one more, and you may get to this later, but, um, but if I'm discouraged, I might not be the right guy for this job or the right woman for this job. And I think, man, we're so quick to, uh, feel like we we were, I don't know about you guys. I felt in over my head pre all of this. <laughs> I woke up every day feeling like God, I need you to show up, yeah. uh, or I'm going to screw this thing up before any of this stuff. And so add all of this stuff on top of it. And there are many days that I I, I wonder, am I the right guy to do this? You know, uh, I, I feel like I know a church in a building. I know church, you know, in corporate worship, digital, all this stuff. It's just I didn't sign up for it. I'm not sure I'm the person for this job. And uh, I just, I just want to encourage you. And my dad is a great testimony of this, but uh, some of the great leaders that we look up to that finished strong, they just stayed longer. Uh, they just pushed through those times that we want to quit. And man, if you haven't wanted to quit, you probably haven't been leading over the last couple of months. And um, just uh, don't listen to that, that voice. Take, take your breaks, um, uh, get some help, get the help that you need. But because you're discouraged, it doesn't mean that, that you're not called or equipped to, to do what God's called you to do. In fact, I've found that when we walk with a limp, when we get through some of this stuff and know what it, it feels like, we're going to be better equipped to lead the people that we're called to lead through it. Mm, Josh, that's such a good word. And uh, I just so appreciate the practical pieces of that. Pick up a hobby again. Like when was the last time a friend said this to me? When was the last time you as a leader um, wasted time and wasted money on something. And of course he smirked because that's not a waste of time. That's rejuvenating. It's friendships again, but often we're wired to lean in harder when time is harder. And that's actually when we need to say, man, I I need some play. I need some fun. I need some friendships in, in my life. So thanks also for your honesty. I feel like it just brings permission, permission to struggle, permission to say, this is really hard permission to have friends. A friend of mine says permission to be a heretic around your friends and just to say things 
around them. You're not worried about them retweeting. You're not worried about somebody parsing your sermon out because it can be so hard to be analyzed and even analyzed at such a close level. Every single word that comes out of your mouth, especially when you're at the top of the org. So thanks, man. This has been such a refreshing, encouraging conversation. So Josh, let's zoom out 10 years from now, 2030, you look back on this year and just the, the train wreck for many that it's been, the confusing, the complexity uh, of 2020. What do you want people to say about how you lived and led through this year? I would say a couple of things. One, um, that I had a pure heart and pure motives. I, I feel like if, if, if I can keep my heart pure and my motives pure, we're going to make 100 mistakes, right, in strategy. Mm-hmm. I don't hope that they'll say they didn't make any mistakes. In fact, people come to me now and they say, hey, dude, you have led so well through this. And I said, let's wait. Why don't you, why don't you make that comment in two years? Because right. we don't know. I mean, we're going to look back and maybe we go, how did we all do, how do, how do we all shut our churches down for six months? That's crazy. That was not the right move. We don't know. But I hope that my heart was pure. Uh, I hope that I leaned in uh, to the people who are hurting during the season. And honestly, I, I hope that what is said about Seacoast and about Josh Surratt and how we led here is that we didn't rush through this moment in an effort to get back to normal, but we actually learned the lessons that were there to be learned through this. You know, James talks about uh, consider pure joy, right? That you go through trials, but essentially what he says in that is that trials will complete us, uh, that uh, they will they'll, they'll produce perseverance right in us and ultimately will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Think about the Jerry Maguire movie. Uh, where, you know, is it, is it Renee Zellweger that looks at him and says, you complete me like this beautiful <laughs> moment, like that's pain for the believer, like pain will help complete us if we endure, if we, if we learn the lessons from this. And so I hope that we would look back on it and go, man, I cared a whole lot about people's opinions prior to that. But that was a season where I really learned that, that I can't win if that's the scoreboard, that I can't win if, if pleasing people. So my heart was pure. God, I want to I want to follow you. I want to lead the best that I can do, and I want to do the best with the information that I have. And I also hope that we'll be one of those churches uh, that I know I know that next year at this summit, if you do it again next year, they're gonna you're gonna be talking to some people who uh, ministry looks drastically different for them post COVID. That they made some some pivots, that they made some adjustments, that they didn't just focus so much on getting back in the building and going back to normal. But they learned, they found some new ways to reach people during this crisis, and they're going to shape the future of the church. And I just hope we can be one of those churches. I hope that we can be one of those churches that says, all right, God, this is a moment. This is one of those Kairos moments those where, where God is intersecting humanity in a significant way. And I hope that we'll be the kind of leaders that, that don't just try to go back to what was, but they go, okay, let's dream a little bit. Uh, let's try some things that we never would have tried before. And so we're we're experimenting like crazy. I hope I failed a lot during this season because that would mean that we at least tried some some different things. And uh, I hope that we'll be one of those churches that goes, yeah, there's some things that are never going to be the same uh, because because we learned some new ways to reach people. And, uh, you know, we can get into that. We don't need to on this, this particular segment. But the digital stuff, uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, Zoom calls like this with new people in the church, with different leadership groups in the church. And, and we'll probably never go back to, to the old way in some of those things because it's so refreshing to connect and easy to connect uh, via some of these, these, uh, these venues. So I hope we're one of those that innovated. 